This is heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. All right, all right, all right, all right. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard for another action-packed episode. This is Stanley Fritz. I've been forced to put on a collared shirt, so here I am with a brush beard and a collared shirt. If you want to talk to me, you can find me on Twitter at Stan Fritz. You can find me on IG at Stan Fritz. You can't find me on Snapchat because I deleted it because I don't use it. What's the point? And I do have a TikTok, but it's only to report the pages of white kids who I'm sure are stealing this stuff from black kids. What's going on, y'all? Hey, guys, and welcome to another live recording of Be Heard Talk. If you're listening via podcast, we appreciate you just as much. This is a show where we talk race, politics, and culture, and I'm super happy to be here. Um, you know, if you guys don't already follow me, my name is Selena Hill. You can follow me at Miss Selena Hill, and that's MS Selena Hill. You can also check me out at Miss selenahill.com. How you doing today, Tammy? What's up, King? You What's look up, so King? good with your brushed beard and your button-down shirt. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you, Tammy. What's up, everybody? It's your problematic fave. Um, today, I'm here to tell you that, no, your family should not lash out and beat you. That's sign of trauma, okay? Really? And today, we're going to sort all of that and more within our community. Um, if you're interested <laughs> in hearing me pop out, uh, my handle is at Miss David, if you nasty, on Instagram. Uh, rude black commie on Twitter, but do not follow me there. It is for my friends only. And you can find me as always on the website and Facebook. What's up, Tiff? Long time no see. <laughs> I know that first time on the show together. Hey guys. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's like a night pro trifecta happening right now. <laughs> for real. Um, but yes, you guys can follow me at Tiff Liz B. Um, you can also follow me there on Instagram, Twitter, um, Instagram, you know, if I really like you, <laughs> Twitter for sure. And I'm excited for this episode to really talk about black mental health and really get into it and all that jazz. Yeah. And Stanley, you look great. Look like you've gone for a job interview. Hope you get it. Thank you. Thank you, Tiffany. For those of you who are wondering why everyone keeps commenting on my appearance, a certain someone's on the show and off the show keep criticizing me for wearing t-shirts and also not brushing my beard before I go live. So today I brushed my hair and my beard and I put on a shirt with a collar to make certain unspoken people happy. Family? Guys, can we all me happy? You are making our viewers who were leaving complaints that I will not repeat what they said. So you are making everyone happy and you look good. For everyone listening at Be Heard Talk, please tell Stanley how nice he looks today so we can keep the momentum. <laughs> like I get it, it's a pandemic and guys can't get haircuts. That being said, I'm super happy about today's show. Um, I think someone already said we're going to be talking about mental health, uh, the crisis in our community, as well as Mental Health Awareness Month. So basically, we're checking in. Are you okay, sis? Are you okay, bro? But before we do that, we have a number of news stories that Stanley is going to kick off during the news roundup. 
Yeah, man. So listen, besides this nice collared shirt, I have lots and lots of news stories for you. So many news stories. I don't even know where to start. So let me tell you what the news roundup is. The news roundup is a segment where we talk about things that made us laugh, cry, curse, flip a table, or yell at Stanley to brush his beard because we are bullies and possibly anti-black with our theory on the way that his beard looks. But this week, even more things happened. And because I started to show off with it, I want to start it off with the versus battle that happened last night with Beanie Man versus Bounty Killer, apparently. I thought it was Elephant Man. Did you guys watch it? What did you think? Boop, 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 boop. Yes. Never did that again. Never did that again. <laughs> I, so the battle was so good. Bounty Killer and Beanie Man. So they started with a warm-up. <laughs> <laughs> which I hear is like very is only happens at a Jamaican party, and so it was like a thirty minute warm up, and then they got straight to the tunes, big tunes. It was a vibe. Um, it definitely took me back to high school, like going to basement parties and outside bashments. Like it was, it was a good time. And the thing is, it wasn't the typical lives we've been seeing on verses, where you had like two people coming. I mean, from different um, Instagrams. They were both together performing only on the Versus TV Instagram. So I think that that in itself gave a very different feel a feel to the whole thing. And they were, like, really into it. Like, every time Bouncy Killer played a song, Beanie Man would be like, seriously? Seriously? And then he would, like, do his own. Like, it was, it was, such, it was such good entertainment. So shout out to Swiss and Tim for bringing the, the versus vibes all the way to Jamaica. Listen, man, it brought me back to high school and all the times at the school dances where I would try to go to the dance, but I was too scared. But the <laughs> so come on. So cute. Or Bouncy Killer would come on, and I'd be hyping the corner by myself, two-stepping. Good memories, man. Good, good memories. And of course, King of the Dance Hall by Beanie Man, which I never really figured out what he was saying in the beginning, but it was always lit to me. But shout out to all my island people. Um, shout out to all the Black Americans who became Caribbean for that two hours. <laughs> Yo, shout question. Out shout out to the shootout that happened after the party, because come on, in the true spirit of a, <laughs> of a dance hall party. And the cops that, are trying to shut it down. Shout Very out to the off the, Yo, who do you think jumped off a speaker? Because it's not a real Pasa Pasa. Well, that wasn't a Pasa Pasa anyway. But it's not a real Pasa Pasa dance hall party if someone's not jumping off a speaker into, into between the girl's legs to dagger. It's just not. <laughs> do you think do you guys think I'm gonna get canceled by my Caribbean family for not seeing it <laughs> oh yeah yes they, they've already sucked their teeth at you and said no weakness they probably no accepted it <laughs> literally on Google as we speak <laughs> I, I told my mom I was gonna watch this and she's like the man's an elephant and I was like no 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 that's not no mom and then she's like is it a church song so I lied and said yes so I wouldn't get in trouble so and yeah lying to his Caribbean parents you told a Haitian parent that you're not going to church on a Saturday night or any night. <laughs> I'm just trying to protect my health. But anyways, guys, that was one of the biggest news stories, but it wasn't the biggest news story of the week. I actually have one that's much bigger, and I wanted to share with you guys because I was just so amazed that it actually happened. You know, so listen to this. You know, so much. That's really our time. I apologize. You can't do that to black media. You can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at 6 o'clock. Okay. Oh, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. I it's a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more questions. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, 
and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want. So, Tammy, how does it feel to not be black? <laughs> Wait, actually, you're not voting for Trump. Wait. You're not voting for Biden. Yes. Biden. My correction, my correction. So, how does it feel? I'm laughing because that's y'all's man. I'm not voting for that cloud. I'm, I, don't, I can't claim him. I'm so sorry. I will say I really liked Charlemagne's response, which you cut off. But he really did. A, I'm not always a big fan of Charlemagne, but he did a good he did a good job this time. It's not about Trump. It's not about loyalty. Like we need things for our community. And I'm so sick of the Democratic Party embarrassing us nationally because they just expect us to vote for them. Like, look at that comment. He said it like he knows that we're obligated to vote for him. No, boo, we're not. Third party, okay. Look Bye. at Tiffany's face. <laughs> Tiffany is trying, she's trying to hold her breath until election day. <laughs> she looks so stressed right now. Yo, when I saw that, so first off, as all of you know, Selena probably Selena and Tiffany probably know better than anybody. When Trump became president, I went on a tirade against people that I consider to be boot-licking Uncle Toms, black people that supported Trump, to the point that I had to take a personal step back and ask myself. Was it helpful to bash other black people in this way? And I stopped. Throughout that entire tirade, I never questioned whether somebody was actually black because I thought that was going too far. So, Selena, all right, why, why are you making that face, Selena? I'm, a, I'm going to relinquish my time to Tiffany and I would like to go last because I have a lot to say. All right. Because I thought I was going too far. And I also stopped with the Uncle Tom comments, at least in public, because I don't want to disrespect black people in majority white spaces because white people are the problem. It's not black people. Some, some of these people are crazy, but they are not the problem. White people and white supremacy are. But so the Stanley, fact that Joe Biden thought he could say that was wild disrespectful. Just real quick, Stanley, problematic old Stan definitely questioned people's blackness back in the day, but I commend the new you who has evolved. So, what, 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 year is, what year is the old Stan, Selena? Since you're 2016. Ma'am, I didn't, okay, maybe I did a little bit, but they deserved it, just not in public. Tiffany, you want to help me throw me some bail, Tiff? Um, so when I heard the comment and I was talking about this with someone else, I said Joe Biden has no right to ever make a comment like that. But I do want to speak to Tammy's point, and I do wonder, Tammy, do you feel that you have the liberty to not vote for Biden because you live in New York? Yeah. Like a black So, because we were on another show and I said something similar. I think a lot of black, left-leaning, progressive communist, however you identify, I think we have a lot of liberty to say that we're not going to vote for Biden. Yeah. I do think it is troubling that Charlemagne has been dubbed this new James Baldwin of our generation. Someone really- Wait, wait, wait. Who's yeah. Charlemagne James Baldwin? Someone referred to him as James Baldwin. I don't know if they were trolling on Twitter, but I think it's troubling. I do think he has a large platform, so I understand why- uh, a lot of these political folks stop by the breakfast club. And we also need to recognize that everyone doesn't have the same political astuteness that we do. And I think sometimes us as politically engaged folks, we kind of turn our nose up like, oh, you're going to vote for Biden, this, that, and the third. And I feel like me personally, this election, I don't know how, you know, black people, marginalized communities, undocumented folks are going to make it through another Trump term. You know, we haven't seen a presidency like this, and we can compare it to past presidencies, but to me, everything seems so exasperated and extreme mm -hmm. at this point. And I feel like, you know, we really got to play for keeps at this point. We got to do what's best for the party, per se. 
But Joe Biden said that because he was a white man that grew up mm. in the South and felt real comfortable with black people and knowing that black people, even if they don't like him, will vote for him. And those people are my parents. Those people are the ones that are not watching MSNBC or some random, you know, uh, Twitter political show. Like those people are gonna see like, you know what? Like I know for a fact it's not gonna be Trump. Biden, you the white man that I kind of know, mm. you know, you're gonna roll with the devil that you know. And for a lot of black folks, that is Biden. <laughs> Real quick, I got a comment from Facebook Live from Brittany Baxter. She goes, Biden is that racist old white dude that sexually harasses his CNA and threatens to sell her when she checks him. Mm. I don't, you know, I don't see the lie. I, I don't see the lie anywhere. Tammy, do you have any comments on this? Ha. Uh, <laughs> uh, like, what can, what can I say? It's, you know, maybe I'm an agent of chaos, but... I really, I don't think Biden should get a chance. And I know that, I know that pushing for Biden is all about mitigating damage. Stanley, I really, and, and Tiff, I really hear you guys. I hear you guys on like another Trump term, but also at this point, what I see in electoral politics is that both parties are coming more and more toward the center. Like, I don't, I really don't feel like Biden is our chance to mitigate damage. Like, what problematic policies will we see under Biden? Does it mean more health care for Black folks? He hasn't even confirmed Medicare for all or, or, or the Green New Deal or any policy that would help our communities. So Charlemagne is right. What is he going to do for us to court the vote? Not just because we're Black, so we should be Democrats. What is he going to do for our communities? Well, I'll say this. I'll say this because I, just to jump in here, I do think I land <laughs> a little bit more with uh, Tiffany and Stanley on this. I hear your point, Tammy, but I do not think that even if we look at the COVID situation, I do not believe that Biden or anybody else would be as incompetent as Donald Trump, who is literally letting black and brown folks die at disproportionate alarming rates because he wants to reopen the country and has declared churches which black people congregate religiously, literally and figuratively, every Sunday as something that has to be reopened. Like he is, the, the, the policies and his leadership is literally putting us in more of a, in more in harm's way. And to me, like there's no, there, there's no comparison. And I agree that uh, Biden should not have used that language. And in fact, he has a whole history of using problematic statements and racially coded language. He's the one who called Barack Obama, and I quote, articulate, bright and clean. And he even boasted about his working relationship with segregationist senators. So to me, his latest gaffe, it underestimates black voters. It basically puts us as a monolith and it takes our support for granted. However, on the other hand, I agree with him. Because I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to act like other people on the panel and say that I don't question the political identity of Black people who support Trump. Because I do, and I have. I mean, Trump is the person who spread the birther conspiracy about the nation's first Black president. He's the person who said there's very fine people on both sides of a white nationalist rally. He's the one who calls African countries S-whole countries. And he told four congresswomen of color they should go back to the crime-infested places where they come from. So I say this, he should not have said it, but I'm not going to cancel Joe Biden. 
at the end of the day, I feel like if Black folks want to feel outraged about Biden's interview with Charlemagne the God, where's the outrage about the fact that he sat there and defended the crime bill? He said that the crime bill decreased Black crime and black and brown um, communities and that it was the drug laws that actually increased state prisons not federal prisons so again i'm a little conflicted because i hear where everyone stands but i do think that we are not in a predicament to re-elect an unapologetic white supremacist or at least someone who aligns with white supremacy and continues to put out these dog whistles which is emboldening uh emboldening a white right-wing racist armed people to basically go out and commit hate crimes like what we'll, we'll talk about ahmad arbery we'll talk about the number of black and brown people who are dying at the hands of these white people who are looking to trump and see him as their leader go ahead Tiff. Um, just a point about the um, electoral politics. I think that's where a lot of us activists and advocates, I think that's where we drop the ball. And I think that's also where you see a lot of these celebrities like Charlemagne and Diddy coming during presidential elections when we're not talking enough about state elections or city council mm-hmm. or like, you know, very local elections that really have, you know, deep impact on your everyday life. And I really think we need to really engage in politics in that way. Like that's how you got, you can get an AOC or, you know, of these other progressive because we really need to engage with our communities that we live in, that we work in, that we work around to really get people beyond the presidential elections. Like people do not vote in local elections. A lot of people, even our age, they don't know their city council person. They don't know who their state you know, assembly member or a senator, congressperson, and those people need to be held accountable. A lot of them have ran unopposed for decades. For decades, they did not have a challenger. That's troubling. You know, so we need to really, you know, engage our communities and our constituencies beyond the presidential election and understand that we can never let our foot off these people's necks, whether it's the president or it's your city council member, because they all have power and they could all do something to really make your lives different, you know, the way they claim. Well, Tiff, I'm going to let you finish, but Doja Cat done pissed everybody off now, and I'm not 100% sure what she did. I think it has something to do with her loving white white men and having a white parent, apparently. I don't know. Can you tell yeah. us what's going on? Yeah, so um, pretty much Doja Cat, I think she's a part of, like, that whole, like, incel thing. I had to look that up. Like, incels are people who, like, involuntarily don't have sexual no 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 let me as your resident e-girl okay Okay, because and first of all let's just take that one white parent out of the equation because not all of us biracials are problematic and weird okay that's what they were saying on twitter that's 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 on her so what happened was that she was on a forum called tiny chat which is where a lot of like the old school like 4chan reddit like internet weirdos go an incel by the way is someone who's involuntarily celibate it basically means that they're not hot enough or not cool enough or not popular enough to get laid and and that's they, go, they go on the internet and they rage and they hate women and they especially hate black women because they're like hypersexualized and and it frustrates them. Um, so, yeah, she was caught hanging with a circle of internet weirdos, but she is an internet weirdo. She was with her people, I think. Wait, yeah. so like, there's a whole group of people mad because they can't get cheeks? Yeah. yeah. Oh my and, God. 
You gotta be on for you gotta be on Reddit, Stanley. Why? He also came out with the Four Chang as well. Four Chang. Yeah. Wait, she also came one? out with a song called Didn't Do Nothing, which is like a known like slur amongst like the 4chan and Tiny Chat. Which and I think they said that she came out with this song right after Sandra Bland had passed away. And it was like referencing because anytime you see a black person getting arrested, they said that I didn't even do anything. So it was like like you know white people were like pretty much mocking black death and then also she was like known to be on these tiny chats like dancing for like these white dudes and i think she's with the white dude oh i saw a clip when she was like f me you n-word to a white dude right but also but even before that she came out and she was like using like the f word and she was like homophobic so like we should have canceled her already but you know she's light-skinned and she got you know a nice body, so everyone's like, uh. I mean, that body do be hitting though, Tiff. You're right. I'm, I'm still <laughs> waiting for Doja Cat to try to make sense of this and to put out some type of statement. I don't know what her and her uh, damage control team is thinking of, but I mean, she does have a problematic past, um, but she's also a young person, she's 24 years old. Yeah. A lot of this was taking place when she was a teenager, and you no, know, it, it took place like last year. She was a teenager last year. Well, the tiny chat stuff was like two weeks ago. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> well, yeah. if that's the case, for those of you who are in the Zoom and the I Facebook, tried. I just added a link with Doja Cat being problematic, so you guys can look at that on your own, and you can see the things that Doja Cat is saying. I guess, I guess so, but I feel kind of like vindicated because of Doja Cat. Because she's getting in trouble, my boo, Londell Ray, is getting some space to breathe. So now, for those of you who know me, I love Londell Ray's last album, Norman and Rockwell. Don't make that face, Tammy. It was a great album. There's something about white women singing with no skill on whimsical beats that really gets to my heart. And Londell Ray is really the pro at that. She can't sing, but she kind of hums, and the beat is kind of like airy, and you get into it. And she has a song where she said she had, she effed her way to the top. And I respect that, that honesty. It's true. I won't be fake. I'm low-key Alana fan, but I stopped listening to her in like 2013 or so because there's only so much of the same whisper music I could take, you know? Um, I really, I loved the song High by the Beach because I'm a little stoner angel. So I would just be like in my summer bag, like feeling sensual, but that's all she got really. Actually, yeah, I played Summertime, Summertime Sadness for three years in a row. Come on. There's something you in your bag right here. You hear this? I want to pop my mouth and slip my wrist right now. Look at this. Come on. On a Sunday? <laughs> you hear that? And you're going to revoke my black card, Stanley. That is so unfair. I think I think the larger point that Lana Del Rey was trying to make and what she should have said was that there's a, a double standard when it comes to the pressure that female entertainers feel in this business where they feel the need to be hypersexualized, to have perfect bodies, and to create music that, um, you know, is sexually stimulating to a lot of folks because that's what sells. Whereas male artists can have dad bodies, could look however, and, you know, they're just not held to those same standards. But well, instead I of saying that, which I guess is, that's how I interpret it. Instead, she calls out all of these uh, women of color like Cardi B, Nicki Minaj, jo jo Doja Cat, and Beyonce, and tries to make this point and like tries to come 
to me, like, it was like she had some moral authority to call out these other women of color, which yeah. made it problematic for me. So I was like, the, the rest of her statement, I can understand, but she just didn't need to call out all these women who happen to be women of color to make her point about her right. career compared to theirs. As someone who listens to Lana, Lana is mad about the criticism that she's getting, but in the people who are criticizing her defense, all she talks about are the things her vagina tastes like, having toxic sex with toxic men, and doing drugs at the beach. That's all she sings about. Can we, can we break it down further, though? Because Lana Del Rey is a career pick-me. Like, her yeah. music is literally like, you know, I'm so broken and battered, and I'm not like, you know, other girls, they're so smart and clean, and, you know, I'm garbage, and he loves me, and I love it. That's her music. It's been her music, and it's been her vibe. This doesn't surprise me. Her last boyfriend was a cop. She... She's literally the queen of the white woman oppression Olympics. She's basically just mad that it's no longer 2012, so she's not topping the charts. And a lot of, let's call it like it is, more confident women are now number one hits. The part of her statement, I will say, that made me the most angry was she quoted, she says, women like her have their voices stolen by stronger women. And she name drops all these women because besides being mostly women of color, what is the other characteristic? They own their business. They own it. If they're having a bad time, they own it. They don't, they don't speak in terms of like male power. All well, of Anna's music is about male power. Over well, well, hold on, Tammy. Maybe she did that because she had just finished watching Handmaid's Tale. And as we all know, the Handmaid's Tale is like roots for white women. So she might have been in her bag. Respect her. But no, guys, we do have to wrap this up. Lana Del Rey is problematic and trash, but I'm still going to play her last album, Norman F. and Rockwell. And I also own two other albums of hers, Judge Me Freely, Black Heart Kept. No one can take Tammy's Black Heart either. Fight me on what that. Look at this black man that fitted a white woman. You see what we got to deal with? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> let's fix the black community, y'all. <laughs> Starting with... Like a conversation from, from pre-production, right? <laughs> Anyways, I want to pass it on to Selena to talk about more important things, like how her eyebrows are so perfect in a shutdown. Literally. How are you doing this? How does You're she have a perfect heart? Stanley, bye. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I just want to say, I know we'll wrap it up the news roundup. The 112 and Jacket Edge battle is coming up as well. Memorial Day, Monday. Oh, it's not I happening. Am, I, huh? It's not happening. They canceled? Because they're in a lawsuit right now. Q is suing 112. So it's like 110 right now, not instead of 112. So they Hold can't on, so play. is the battle happening or not? No, it's, it's not happening, Selena. I mean, 112 would have won, so we can just say the battle was lost by Jagged Edge. But yeah, it's not happening. Well, maybe, oh my this, God. maybe this is a good thing. Our healthcare system cannot handle all these pregnancies. Uh-uh. No way. <laughs> that makes me COVID. True. Okay, well, now that we ended on a depressing note, uh, speaking of depression, Tammy, let's throw it over to you. Uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and many of us are feeling depressed, not just because the 112 and Jagged Edge battle got was uh, canceled, but because we happen to be in a pandemic. So I think we definitely need to talk about that. That was a wild yes. position. Thank you so much, Selena, for the amazing segue. And thanks to all of you tuning in. Um, like Selena said, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and it is time for us to get deeply raw about self-care, 
Okay, so strap yourselves in because this is going to be a talk with all the feelings. Um, this is a very personal topic for many of us on the panel. So just be prepared to get in your feelings and stay with us as we discuss a topic that is often overlooked in our communities. So it's no secret that the coronavirus pandemic has altered our collective state of mind and is negatively affecting mental health. Numerous studies continue to expose how social isolation, grim tolls, alarming headlines, loss of financial security, and fears around our own mortality have increased the levels of stress, anxiety, and depression within our communities. It is also no secret that black and brown people are facing the brunt of the pandemic. New York Times is reporting that Blacks and Latinos are dying at twice the rate of white people, and, and the vast majority of our essential workers here in New York City are POC at an astounding 75%. These demographic statistics are no less alarming in many cities across the country, including Chicago, St. Louis, and Los Angeles. And to add just another layer to what we're dealing with, Black people are facing another wave of deep, racialized trauma in an ongoing saga of black bodies versus white vigilante and police misdemeanor. With Ahmad Arbery's escalating case, other brutal black murders, and the NYPD's new stop and frisk era social distancing enforcement, fear and tragedy are around every corner. So since black people are at the intersection of a number of traumas, including poverty, inequality, and being at the heart of this global crisis, what can be done? It's important for our community's health and the advancement of our people to take care of ourselves. So whether it's the generational and ongoing trauma of racism or the situational urgency of a worldwide pandemic, our folks need to have a conversation about how to process feelings, have difficult conversations openly, work through conflict without abuse, and find the help that we need just like we would if it were another physical part of us hurting. So I want to open the conversation, y'all, with a quick check-in from our Be Heard family. Selena, how are you feeling? Oh, wow. Thank you. I actually appreciate you even asking that question. Feelings are important, and we have to validate one another and each other at this time by talking about our feelings. Um, I'll say this. Thankfully, I have job security and have maintained financial stability throughout the last few years of my career. So the pandemic hasn't been as stressful for me as it is for many others. Um, however, I think the thing that concerns me the most is how COVID is hitting our community the hardest. And it's not just the virus that's killing black and brown people at disproportionate numbers. It's also the fact that, um, you know, we're essentially, we happen to make up a large portion of essential workers. A lot of us feel the responsibility of, of caring for a loved one. Um, you know, it's harder for us to self-isolate it because of, the, of our, our fa family structures and the way that our family dynamics are put together. Uh, and a lot of us are losing uh, jobs or, you know, businesses and even homes. So even if you aren't directly affected as a person of color, you feel that community grief. You feel the, the, the burden that it's placing on all of us. And like, I definitely know people who are sick and happen to go have had to spend some time in the hospital. And I'm even more worried uh, than, than normal. And I, I think that another thing uh, that is really stressing out our community is just racial discrimination, which research shows has a, 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 a strong impact on our mental health. Like the fact that 
police violence and surveillance is something that's extremely prevalent in our communities, uh, it, it never feels like we're safe. You know, as soon as we go outside, we don't feel like police are there to protect our community. We feel like either ourselves or our, our brothers, our friends, our family could be shot and killed at any moment for lifting a wallet or even turning our back to trying to escape. So again, when, you, when we look at things from this holistic perspective, uh, it's a really hard and stressful time, but that's why I'm happy that we're having this conversation. Thank you for sharing, Selena. I appreciate you. And I definitely hear that re-police violence. Stanley, what about you? What's going on? <sighs> today I'm doing fine. Um, it's been an okay day today. It ebbs and flows, you know? Um, I, I have good job security. My, my people are safe. I have the basic things that I need, but this is a time of a lot of uncertainty. We don't know how long the, the country's gonna be closed. We, like I've seen a lot of people posting up rest in peace posts, posting up GoFundMe's for funerals. I talked to a lot of folks who've lost loved ones, so like that's been hard to manage. And it's like just hard to manage your emotions and kind of like keep a steady mind while all this, all this is happening. Then, plus the field that I work in is especially stressful right now because we're in a deep, we're in the biggest depression that we've ever been in, even bigger than the Great Depression. And millions of people are losing their jobs. And, you know, right now we're working really hard. My organization and I, and like others obviously, are working to get another federal stimulus package down to the city that would give people more money, um, another um, $1,200 at minimum, that would, um, that would also like, give additional funds to state and city municipalities and will cover healthcare and cover housing. And of course, Donald Trump and the Republicans are, are refusing to do it. And if they don't do it, what you're gonna see over the next couple of months are states going bankrupt. And then we got an election coming up in June in the Bronx where a, a, a dark-skinned Puerto Rican who's a Trump supporter might win the congressional seat because turnout is gonna be low. And if that happens, what makes you think that Trump can't win the election in November because turnout is going to be low. These are, the, these are all the things that I'm always thinking about and that stress me out and it can be really overwhelming. Um, one of the, some of the things I've tried to do to manage my emotions is like every day I try to do one nice thing for myself. I try to make sure that like I'm staying active so I don't go outside a lot but I when I do go outside I go for a run. I've started running. I've started biking. Just doing little things to kind of take care of myself because if you don't you're going to go crazy this time. Mm, that's the truth. That's the truth. Tiffany? So in the beginning when everything was happening, like the first two weeks, I kind of like was pretty level-headed. I was like, you know, we're going to get through this. But like the third week, I was like really in my feelings, like literally every five seconds. I was like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Like, this is wild. This is crazy. And um, I think I've talked about this before. Like, I go to therapy. So I have therapy sessions um, every other Saturday at uh, 4.30. So, and I go to a Black woman. And then I really started to get back into, like, meditating. I was meditating off and on. But once COVID hit and we were home, I was like, you know, I'm going to be meditating every day. So I wake up 10 minutes. I meditate in the morning, light my incense, trying to really get my mind right. And I kind of feel like, Anytime I don't meditate in the morning and I have like a, a crappy day, I'm like, should have meditated. <laughs> and um, also, I'm just really staying active because I love the gym. And honestly, if they didn't close the gym, I probably would have been one of those people that's like secretly <laughs> like still trying to go <laughs> to the gym during the pandemic. So I've been doing like at-home workouts. Um, I just took my bike to the bike shop. So I'm just really trying to stay more active and like positive doing you know, affirmations. 
but to speak to Stanley's point, like we, cause we both work in like similar, we have a like similar jobs and roles. To me, I kind of felt like the, our employment or the job aspect was really not, at least for me, taken into account that we are actively in a pandemic. And I kind of felt like we were producing more or expecting to produce more because I work for a union that represents faculty and staff at CUNY. So like I'm dealing with people getting laid off during the pandemic. So they're losing healthcare and we're trying to like combat that. And I just kind of felt like, wow, this is like really overwhelming. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people are trying to act as if this is like, you know, we're just going to get past this and not really living in their feelings and like being in the moment. And I tell my friends, like, you just have to feel everything. We have to, you know, first accept that this is a different time that we're in. And we're probably never going to go back to where we were, where we were able to link up the way we want to and be in each other's presence or faces. We just really need to acknowledge that and come to terms with that. But also just speaking like the, to the racial violence piece and just being like black in America, uh, NPR did a, um, did a uh, show, but it was more so focused on like uh, black women in healthcare and when they give birth. And that because black people in general are always dealing with different uh, uh, forms of racism, it's like our bodies are like being weathered. <laughs> so it's called like weathering. So that's why black women sometimes do have harder um, times when it comes to pregnancy because they've been dealing with racism and bigotry like so much. So it's like, so you compound up with like COVID and everyday bigotry and racism, and then you still have to produce for work. It could be a lot. So what I've been really trying to do is like keep boundaries. Like my schedule is 10 to six. That's what I work 10 to six. <laughs> you know? Like I'm not answering any emails, no phone calls. Like you really have to keep boundaries. Cause I also feel like a lot of our, a lot of this generation who are working from home, who have job security and financial security, but we're expected to produce more. Like the boundaries are like all over the place. Like we really need to stick to our boundaries and protect yourself first because your health will also deteriorate if you're always producing because people need to realize like working 24 hours during a pandemic, that's a coping mechanism. That's not you being productive. Yes. That is a coping mechanism and just acknowledge that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's how you were getting through this pandemic. But like that is not, you know, something that like you need to be like productive and just realize like stuff is crazy outside and we cannot act like it's not crazy. We have to accept it and just find different ways. So I definitely recommend therapy you know they have a lot of like these um free therapy uh uh apps that you can use and also like i go through therapy through my health insurance i pay 15 dollars, and i made sure it was a black woman so like there's multiple ways that you could get that sort of um those sorts of i'm glad tiffany i'm I'm glad that you i'm glad that you started bringing up treatment methods and coping mechanisms but i'm gonna save that for later because we actually just got Luis Tejada on the call. He is a mental health counselor from the Bronx. So we, he's going to join us in the conversation about coping mechanisms and treatment. But thank you for bringing it up because it's, it's a huge part of like what our community needs to hear. Um, before we move on to that segment, though, um, since a, we, you all touched on it, can I just ask the question? Police violence is a trigger, right? racialized violence is a trigger and it does take a toll on mental health. I think we can all agree on that. Um, In the check-in, all of us, myself included, feel like the added weight and pressure of being a black or brown person and, and experiencing violence and 
lack of security in so many ways can impact our mental health on top of what's already happening in this situation. Like, I won't lie to y'all, I'm with Stanley. It's been ebbs and flows, and it's been really hard to keep my mental health in check during this pandemic. My co-hosts know I like popped off in the chat a few weeks ago because I was really losing my mind. As soon as I saw May was Mental Health Month, I said, drunk face emoji, hey guys, let's have a conversation because I'm not feeling too hot. So it's important to acknowledge that there are multiple levels of, of trauma happening in our communities. And it's important to kind of open the conversation with how you're feeling and, and, and segue into, well, what can be done? right? Like we may not be able to solve institutionalized violence, but there's many ways of addressing, you know, the different feelings that we have or processing generational trauma. And I'm happy that we're here talking about it now. Um, I guess the first step to that is something that I'm interested in asking all of you about your personal experiences with. So do you guys believe that there is a stigma on mental health in communities of color? Because that's really getting the conversation started is, is the most important thing. But how have y'all, all of us, dealt with that as Black people? Actually, Stanley, I'm going to talk to you first because I know we've had this conversation and, and you're someone that I consider like super evolved in the mental health journey. Huh, thank you. Um, yeah, there's a there was there was there's a deep stigma attached to mental health and like therapy. I want to talk about it from the lens of men because it was for me. You know, I've always like I grew up just with this idea that men, as a man, you're supposed to like have no weaknesses and be unstoppable and not ask for help. And if you were going to get therapy, not only were you crazy, but also you were a failure. And that was something that I really had to work through. So like, so that I could give myself the space and the ability to get the help that I needed. And I think a lot of men do that as well. That's why I want to talk about that. Um, there's nothing wrong with therapy. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. The fact of the matter is there are a lot of things that we do and things that we feel in ways that we react that can be traced back to our childhood or the traumas and our coping mechanisms that we don't know about. And if you address them and if you learn how to address yourself, to, like if you learn how to address yourself better, It'll benefit everybody. I feel like I'm a much better person today than I was two years ago. Don't nod so hard, Selena, or even five, or even five years ago, because like I've tried to do the work on me, and it's hard. But like I feel better about who I am and where I am because of it. Tiffany, what about you? I feel like you also are like a maven right now in therapy. So you know, was it hard for you to get there? Um, so I started therapy, like, in my early 20s. I was, like, going through, like, a bad breakup. And then this bout of therapy, I would say it's been, like, the last three years. And it's definitely a stigma, especially when you start to, like, recognize sort of behaviors and traumas that may be triggered by, like, your family members, mm-hmm. and especially your parents. I know they always say, like, your therapist blames your parents. It's like, that's not necessarily true. You just have to realize that your parents are your first teachers. And sometimes their behavior obviously, you know, ingrains you because they, they're the ones who raised you. And you have to, like, recognize, like, you know, how to unlearn certain behaviors. The same we have to, like, you tell men to unlearn sexism and stuff like that. Like, we need to unlearn, like, toxic behaviors. So it's definitely a stigma. Like, even just, like, I would say 
my relationship with my dad like was like a little rocky and I was trying to get him to come with me to therapy he agreed and then he like backed out of it and you know so and that was like you know a bit of like tension but I also recognize that like saying that you have to do the work when it comes to therapy you just don't go and you sit on the couch like you really have to like dig deep do a lot of like self-reflection so it's a lot of like stigma and we just have to be honest like a lot of people don't like to deal as my therapist with their funk like a lot of people want to just go on with their lives as if nothing is happening what they say ignorance is bliss and when you go to therapy or when you are trying to be a better version of yourself you have to deal with you know that funk and that stuff and i think when it comes to the covid pandemic it's forcing people to deal with that funk and the stuff that they've been ignoring because all you have to do is like everyone's home for the most part except like other parts of the country that's opening up but like a lot of us are just you have to be home and your feelings and your fun you can no longer you know um you know drink it away or smoke it away or like go to brunch <laughs> like brunch it away like you gotta deal with your stuff so it's hard and i also would say that since going to therapy like just the way i interact with my family my friends like now my sister started to go like you like you like just by like you going to therapy or engaging with like mental health you can see how like it does trickle down to your family and your friends it's true selena i'm curious about um i'm curious about your story because i know you're close with your mom and you have a good family relationship so have you like explored some of your mental wellness with your family how's that gone Absolutely. And I just want to say Tiffany's comments about you can't brunch it away or smoke it away. It reminded me of that salon song where she said, you can't sex it away. You can't drink it away. You can't smoke it away. And we literally are in this state of the world where we can't, we have to deal with our emotions. We have to deal with that baggage. We have to deal with whatever that thing is. And, um, you know, for me and in my family dynamic, um, you know, I first started going to therapy in college when it was um, a free service. And I loved it. It was mind-blowing. Like, my therapist, she opened up my eyes to so many behavioral um, strategies or, or, like, things that I was doing and how it related back to my childhood and feeling abandoned by my father. And I didn't, like, the connections and the correlation she was making was like, whoa, how did you get that? So then after that, I went to therapy again um, after I graduated. And that same therapist I was going to, my mom started going to. And she really started going after a breakup and after my grandmother passed. And she has made such tremendous progress. And anyone who knows me knows that I am a huge advocate for therapy. Like, literally, my friends, I'm like, did you start your therapy? Did you? Like, once they start, I'm like, yes, praise God. And the stigmas to me are generational. Like, whenever it is in the Black community, what I've experienced, it's the older folks it's my uncles it's my aunts it's the boomers in my family and the silent generation who think that therapy is just for crazy people and white people and that you need to pray it away however i remember when i went to church my pastor said please y'all need some therapy so we need more progressive uh black church leaders to let the congregation know let our let our communities know that there are like these professionals um are, are there to treat the psychological traumas that we have all experienced on a personal level and as a collective community. So yeah, therapy, thera therapists are our friends. And to Tiffany's point, my last therapist is also a black woman, so. Yes. 
I'm so jealous, honestly. I, I've been looking for my perfect black woman therapist slash bestie for so many years now, but I'm satisfied with what I got. I love my therapist. Let me just say y'all, like, I really feel your point, Selena, because I grew up with my grandma, who is an immigrant from Trinidad, and I have diagnosed bipolar two disorder, and my family has, like, they had no idea what was wrong with me. Like, I remember experiencing symptoms, like, I guess it really started in like 2008, you know, around puberty and stuff. And I just remember like my parents swore it was a discipline issue. It was a structure issue that I just like was weird. And coming into my own journey, when I started to actively look for treatment and, and therapy in college, I was like, wow, that's really crazy. Like I knew it wasn't me. I knew it wasn't me, but sometimes, you know, old school beliefs really hinder us from, from seeing what is right in front of us. And I do think that there is sort of this attitude that you can just pray away the bad times or that you have to be strong, particularly in black communities and particularly in, in, in you know, cross-cultural communities, like within immigrant communities where they just have to keep hustling or, you know, in Caribbean backgrounds where there is really no language for that yet on our islands. So, you know, thank you guys for, for sharing because it seems like there's a commonality that you have to really put in the work in yourself first and then find help and then you can start to talk about it with your communities. Um, so for these next few questions, I want to welcome to our screen Luis Tejada, a multi-systemic family therapist supporting youth and families throughout NYC with different community and developmental dynamics. Luis is a DR-born, Bronx-bred mental health counselors with a master's from Queens College and advanced training from Brooklyn College. Shout out CUNY. Yes. Outside of work, Luis is a socialist feminist organizer that actually works with me on the campaign for an elected civilian review board. So, hey, Luis. How you Hello. doing? Hi, Tommy. Hello, it's everyone. It's nice Hello, to have Tommy. you. Hello. <laughs> I appreciate nice having you here. Selena. Nice <laughs> to see you. Nice to meet you. So yeah. our next question is really about transitioning from discovering our own journeys and, and, and acknowledging the stigma to actually addressing it. So I want to start with you, Louise. How can we change how we address mental health and difficult times in our communities? Well, yeah, I think one thing is uh, focusing from the professional end, because right, um, psychology counseling before had a huge history of just focusing on the negative, on the bad parts. And that's why a lot of people, you know, say, oh, psychology counseling is for people who are crazy because, you know, the field at one point was very targeted to um, dealing with the wrongs, with the bads of people. And I think now, especially since the 90s until now, the, the field has progressed and you have a lot of popularity in positive psychology and strengths-based therapy. And I think continuing that sort of education from the professional end is really changing the way um, the mass community looks into the you know looks at the field of therapy and counseling. 
Oh, word. Okay, so an educational perspective can be expected from an organizer. So what about you, Tiff? You on the same tip? <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree with everything that uh, you just said. Yeah, definitely. What about some other do you think there are other ways that we can maybe kind of do the work to educate our communities? I think we have to make people feel safe and comfortable. I think a lot of times um, we make people feel uncomfortable, especially black men. And Stanley could probably talk some more to that, like more to that. That like if you see a, a young black, you know, boy or, or a young man like crying or just no, no, not behaving in a way that you think you should, like, instead of, like, shutting him down, like, allowing people to feel comfortable in expressing themselves and getting that emotions out. I think a lot of times we shut down emotions because us as, like, a parent or a guardian don't know how to deal with that emotion. So I think sometimes people just need the space to, like, let that emotion out initially and then it also feel safe because I feel like a lot of times, like, people feel like you can't be vulnerable, like, you know, black women feel like I can't be vulnerable because I got to have, I got to be the strong black woman or I got to provide for my family because I'm the, I'm the black man and that's what I do. But it's like what they say, you got, you got to, you got to check on your strong friends. <laughs> you got to, you got to check on folks because folks are struggling and we have to allow people to struggle and, you know, and feel safe because they are struggling. I feel like we don't always do that, you know, as a society. I love that suggestion. Stanley, can you speak to that as a, as a black man? Yeah, you know, in my experience, like a lot of times, like the only space for agency you had were for anger or horniness. Those are the only two things. So if you're exploring anything beyond that, now all of a sudden we're questioning your gender, we're questioning your sexuality, we're questioning your manhood, and there's these tight, like this, these very tight, stringent ideas about what all these things mean. And if you fall out of it in any way, or if you, even if you stumble, you are a problem. Which is why, like, Bell Hooks' book, The Will to Change, the Will to Change has been so important to, for me to help me kind of, like, push past that. And also why we really have to start decolonizing the minds of all people about the way that we look at men and their emotions and how they build and how they grow. Because with therapy, with the ability to have nuanced emotions, with the ability to be your whole self, which a lot of us have not been able to be, we will make a better society for everyone. And especially in a time like this, man, listen, with respect to all my Christian folks, praising the Lord is not enough. Praise the Lord from 11 to 12.30, or if you're a black church, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., then talk to your therapist. Because we can't just do it one way. Solid. Selena, how about you? Any tips? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I think that it starts with acknowledging the legacy of slavery and how has it affected African people throughout the diaspora. I think that once we understand these traumas that have become generational, the fact that, you know, when Massa was raping our mothers and our aunties, you didn't talk about that. I remember when I was talking to my grandmother when she was still alive, God bless her soul, and I asked her, like, how is it that you know, I was no noticing the different complexions and different features that some of the people had. And I was trying to ask her, like, are you sure your mom was fully black? Or And she was like, we didn't talk about stuff like that. And she even got offended. 
And like, and I realized that that silent generation, hence their name, they were taught to bury that trauma and they passed that down to the boomers who happens to be like my mom's generation. And, you know, but thank God, I think, like I said, when it comes to generations, I think millennials and Gen Z have been very open and outward about therapy and talking about stuff. Like, in fact, Gen Z, you know, they push it to the next level where they broadcast everything that's wrong with them. They get on live and have a whole emotional breakdown. And I'm like, girl, when I was 15, I thank God we didn't have Instagram and all this other stuff because I would have been doing the same thing. So basically what I'm trying to say is that First of all, we need to acknowledge. That's number one. Number two, we also need to talk about the fact of how COVID is affecting our communities because the fact of the matter it is, our communities were already suffering with um, uh, affordable housing, with healthcare, with lack of green space, and with police violence. Research has shown that all of these factors have a strong impact on, um, on your mental health. So again, when we can open up and acknowledge the problem, then we can talk about the solution. Yes, yes. And for all of our listeners out there, one of my favorite things about Selena is that I can always count on her to bring the facts, the facts. At the end of the day, I truly recommend that if we want to change things in our community, like Selena says, we need we need to put the information out there. We need to educate our communities on what we learn from therapy and what we learn from history and college and from watching things go down around us and make those connections so people can actually, you know, see how they're related. Um, it also speaks to Luis's point, you know, there are a plethora of professionals available to give us the education and the resources. And ultimately, when you have that resource and when you, when you open the space and create safety, you can actually have the conversation. So that, that would be my suggestion as well on how to change um, mental health in our community. So our final question, which is something I've kind of been dying to get to this whole time, is something that Tiffany already touched on. So I'm going to start with her first. Um, what are some treatment and coping mechanisms that we can recommend for people to look into? It can be beginner, it can be advanced, it can have worked for you or not worked for you, but what are some things people should start with, Tiffany? Uh, so for me, I use this app called Headspace. Uh, you can get a subscription or you can use like their free, um, the, like the, the free version. I got a subscription because I really wanted to like dive into meditation like the and they have different courses like one of the courses I just completed was a 30-day course and it was focused on like self-esteem and like combating like negative thoughts and that was like really great so I do that every morning and I also try to like incorporate like maybe two to three minutes throughout my day and then I also have um weekly excuse me bi-weekly uh check-ins with my therapist like I said who's a a black woman I had a session with her yesterday and also I've been trying to like, just do like, you know, like, like the coloring, like, I feel like everyone's like doing like coloring, like adult coloring books, just to kind of like soothe my soul. And also just really like checking in with myself. Like if I'm like upset about something, like I really try to like dig deep and try to like, oh, why is this impacting me? Like, why do I feel like this? Writing things out helps and also you know like music <laughs> anytime i'm in a mood <laughs> sort of the, you know a song let's see what Janae Aiko got going on <laughs> you know wait say is always could get the girl <laughs> in the right head space <laughs> so, Janae like has a really good meditation playlist on youtube that i listen to 
Okay. And all she's doing, calm down. Or like she's doing just yeah. like instruments. <laughs> like when I meditate, that's what I listen to. We love long-term solutions, but also really cute short-term solutions <laughs> like Jane Iko and a meditation playlist. Selena, what about you? Do you have any coping mechanisms getting you through this quarantine? Yeah, absolutely. Like I definitely think prayer for me is one of the top coping mechanisms. It's a way to self-soothe. It's a way to reflect. It's a way to free my mind and focus on all the good things. And it's a, it's a physical manifestation of practicing gratefulness, um, albeit to higher power. So that's definitely something for me. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, burying yourself in work. Um, someone said that, I forget who it was, but for me, staying as productive and uh, as possible has definitely been a good way for me. Like I have... I'm launching my third series. Like, I'm just like, y'all gonna get this work. I'm up here on Canva. I'm up here creating stuff. I'm, woo, I'm like, you know, I was doing all of the clips for the promo for Be Heard. We would do it. I was cutting up the stuff. I was working, working, working. But, and I mean, I've always been a highly, you know, productive person. And I like to stay and, and do things that obviously that I feel have tangible results. But also another thing I'm practicing and I'm being cognizant of is practicing self-care. And for me, that means really long walks and talking to someone that I want to talk to. And like all that, like literally the fresh air and the greenery and, and, and just like having a healthy conversation, it just brings me so much joy and so much peace. Uh, so those are some of the things that I'm doing. So some of, um, Louise, I'm going to get to you uh, last because I want the professional recommendations to resound with our listeners. But um, there are two things really that I want to talk about that have been working slash kind of working for me for many years. So one is I think people should be open and honest about whether or not they need drugs as um as treatment and and by drugs i mean pharmaceutical drugs um of course speaking to mental illnesses and disorders um i say it's worth doing the research because there are tremendous pros and cons to both pharmaceutical drugs that a psychiatrist can recommend to you versus herbal supplements that may be holistic healers and even therapists can recommend to you. Um, the second thing is I recommend finding healthy and positive coping mechanisms because like Solange says, you can't drink or smoke it away, okay? These are coping mechanisms that many people all across the world use to hide their problems. And for people with serious mental illnesses, speaking specifically for myself with bipolar, those things actually can exacerbate the problem and worsen it long term. So it's all about finding cope coping mechanisms that yes, feel good in the moment, but have positive long-term effects. Things like meditation, really great, prayer, taking walks and enjoying nature. And for me, I found Be Heard, honestly, to be one of the most important outlets in my life because it's allowing me to express creative energy and to do education-based organizing. And these are some of the things that I've found helpful. Um, but Regardless of what you guys as viewers and listeners choose, 
make sure you're doing the research about what is actually okay for you. Don't just take things that we're saying or that people might recommend to you um, and run away with them, but actually try it out. Give it a few weeks and note how your mood improves or doesn't improve because it's a journey. Mental health is a journey. But like any other aspect of health, it's not a destination. It's feeling good the entire time. So, Louise, I want to end with your professional recommendations. Um, what are some treatment and coping mechanism mechanisms that you recommend people to look into at this time? Yeah, well, uh, what Selena and Tiffany said were very good recommendations. Also, what Stanley mentioned as well, and yourself, Tammy. Um, in general, I, I would say something, a mechanism, a coping mechanism that causes you physical harm. Right, and the long term is impacting your, your social socialization with other people. Right, take a look at that, and also a, you know a coping mechanism that's that will uh, injure, I guess, your financial right. Something that's too expensive, right? You don't want it's not sustainable, uh, right? You you don't want to, you know, it's not it's not a good idea to continue with those with those coping you know coping habits. Um, in general, I, I the the one that I prepared today was just based since because of the current dynamic that we have now in which you know we are some people are alone um, you know the socialization which is very important you know or you know we are social creatures um being in groups especially um growth groups it's very important but because of the covid we are not able to do that um but i figure that two practices one is for example writing a gratitude letter, right? Um, writing a gratitude letter to somebody who's very important, who you haven't met, you know, especially since many of our loved ones are passing away. It's something very key that you can do at this time. And, you know, and just say all the positive, all the great things that that person has, you know, has done for you. Are you valuing them? And that can open a, a great relationship. And also reframe, right? Reframe a lot of the things that happen to you, you know, reframe it to, in a positive view. Um, things of always, a, you know, other reasons why maybe, you know, somebody bumped into you in the street or why you didn't get this letter right. Always reframe it and, you know, um, and don't go so much into the rage or the anger or the stress because ultimately, you know, that, that jeopardizes our immune system long term. Thank you so much, Luis. I really appreciate you coming on and giving us like expert level tips. Um, I want to, I want to wrap up the segment with just a few final thoughts on this issue. Selena? Yes. Oh, Any final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I actually do have some final thoughts. Thank you so much. Well, I was, I was captivated by what Lewis was saying and I was thinking about how to practice that. Um, yeah. So I, I think that we as a community, um, we need to make sure that we're advocating for mental health services that are available in our community-based organizations, whether that be our churches or our neighborhood groups, that's number one. I think another thing that's really important is to the advocacy for affordable housing and uh, getting communities of color access to these green, uh, green spaces for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Uh, another thing I think uh, we should definitely walk away from this is uh, doing or, or, or knowing is that uh, all communities, especially ours, we need opportunities for education and a living wage that put people on a pathway to strong mental health from an early age. Because if you wanna talk about stress, 
imagine having to go through everything while already living in poverty. And imagine that being generational poverty. So you don't even have people in your direct network that you can look to who made it out. So I think that keeping all of this in mind, we all feel we feel the stress of this pandemic, but remember that we need to, let's not forget the most vulnerable communities in this situation. Stanley? It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to drown in it. So like, we gotta like, we gotta make space to be able to process these feelings and understand how you feel. Be in your bag if you need to, while understanding that like, you don't need to drown in it and you shouldn't. So like that takes like really checking in on yourself and like being clear about the things that you need so that even if you can't be necessarily 100% okay, you can be all right or you can be getting towards being okay. And it's okay if even at those things, you're not okay right away. It's a process like Tammy said, but love yourself and be kind to yourself. And Tiffany? Yeah, I would just echo everything that um, you guys have been saying, but definitely be kind to yourself, especially, I feel like, during this time. Like, you know, we really have to be kind to yourself and just do things that bring you joy. I feel like I sound like Marie Kondo, but um, just do things that bring you happiness and joy and just really being kind to yourself and, and like, acknowledge that this are, we are in unprecedented times and this is our reality, but show love and compassion to yourself. Thank you so much, Be Heard fam, for opening up and sharing the feels today. I really appreciate this segment so much. It meant a lot to me personally. And I know a lot of us, when we were posting um, promo for this show, people were hyped. They were like, let's go. Uh, we're not okay. We're in a pandemic. So we appreciate, I appreciate having this conversation. Thank you so much, Luis, for coming out today and sharing your knowledge and expertise with us here on Be Heard Talk. I will see you soon when we organize together again. And for all of those who are listening, thank you for tuning in. Y'all are who we do it for. If you like what we're doing, share this episode and the next with your loved ones and help them get through these tough times. As always, Follow us at Be Heard Talk on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where your comments and DMs just might make it to the show. And to support our work and keep our Zoom running, please consider donating to our GoFundMe, which I'm about to drop in the chat. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Appreciate y'all. Thank you, guys. Till next Sunday. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.